Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning, everybody. This is my great friend, Linnea Carlson. Give it up for Linnea. Would you welcome her to Conduit? She is with the Jamestown Renaissance Corporation and the uh, Jamestown Mobile Market uh, and also the Farmer's Market. Give it up if you have been to the Farmer's Market and you love, come on, like you've been there. Raise your hand, you've been there. Uh, she is here today with Lily, and they, I see these guys every week, and I want to get to really why she's up here. She's going to be able to share her heart uh, this morning and partnership, what it's like, it's been like for a year now, uh, partnering with um, Jamestown Renaissance. It's been an incredible thing, but I do have a couple of quick things I want to hit right before I get into uh, our interview uh, with you. Uh, and the video you just saw is a promo for a six-week series that I'll be doing starting next week um, called The Promised Land. This is about a journey to a place of freedom. Every single one of us has uh, things in our life, things that we've been through, things that we're going through. We're all on a journey uh, that Jesus has invited us to, uh, that journey uh, with him, not go do something. He's going with us. He sent his spirit, and he's wanting to bring us to a place of freedom. And I think that's super important, um, especially right now in the aspect of conduit. Zoom in a little bit more. It's important right now, especially for the aspect of where you're at in life. And so I just wanted to preface this just for a moment. Uh, this is what those six weeks looks like. Uh, the promised land, the journey to a place of freedom. Week one, Cameron will start us out um, talking about your current location. So if God wants to bring you to a, a a place of freedom, what is your current location? And then I'll be finishing the next five weeks um, uh, before I go on a sabbatical. The church has gifted me this incredible gift of a sabbatical. In fact, if you are here today and you were not here a few weeks ago when we talked about that, there's a letter right in the back. If you want to read a little bit more about uh, that uh, period of time where I'll be off, uh, that the church has gifted me with this incredible gift of sabbatical. Um, it's in the back if you want to know more about that. But before I go on that trip, uh, in August, um, these other five weeks look like this in the promised land. Your guide, your destination, your gear, your desert, and your promise. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and then quickly, uh, one other thing. Uh, th this coming Friday, it's not at the end of the month, we're at the end of the month. Is it, how is it June? The end of June already, or barreling towards the end of June. Uh, worship night this coming Friday, right here, the 28th, 7 p.m. So make sure that you're here for that. Uh, we'd love to come worship with you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. So Linnea here approached us uh, from Jamestown Renaissance Corporation about a year ago. And uh, as you know, if you've been at Conduit for more than five minutes, you know that we love our city. Uh, and so does Linnea. And so we have this uh, incredible and instant bond and friendship with their, uh, obviously their, their company, but also just in relationship. I know Katie is, is uh, sudden close friends with you and the heartbeat of what you have for the city that, that you love and that we love. And you know, Conduit, if you've been around long enough, you know for us, even since the beginning, feeding people is not just something that we do. Uh, it's who we are. Uh, God loves the world. He doesn't just want us to like hope for the best for them or sit in this building and these walls. He wants us out there and he doesn't just want to affect and change for the gospel to change everything in their heart and soul. He knows that sometimes when you're, you have a great need, especially in regards to food, that it's hard to focus on the soul and the heart. When you have a basic basic need in your home. And in our city, that is truly, truly relevant. So for us, for Conduit, it's always been the core of who we are, um, feeding people. Now, sometimes that feeding people has been hot dogs and snow cones, so we won't brag on the nutritional <laughs> aspect of that. But we shifted about two years ago. We wanted to bring healthy smoothies. And then when we began this partnership, um, Linnea approached us because she had seen that ridiculous uh, love-hate uh, thing we have out there, that food truck. Can't um, miss it. You can't miss it, right? And yeah. she's like, I want, <laughs> she's like, it's my lifelong dream to be in that truck. I have to, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite part of every week. 
<laughs> we all laugh when we talk about that food truck. And if you've not, if it looks great to you, just volunteer one day and, uh, <laughs> or try to drive it. How many in this room have ever driven the food truck? Okay. Come see me. Come see me up front for prayer after. We'll pray and make sure that you are prepared for that and then you go into that. But nonetheless, you approached us about a year ago and you presented to us an idea uh, basically because of a great need in our city. And so. Yeah, so um, with the Jamestown Renaissance Corporation, if you guys aren't familiar, it's a nonprofit that's been around for about 10 years. And our mission is pretty simple. It's uh, to make Jamestown better through uh, inspiration, action, and celebration. And for uh, the past 10 years, we've run the public market, farmer's market. Um, and uh, about two years ago, we uh, decided, you know, there's still this great need um, in this city. You know, the market's only open on Saturdays. Uh, it's a fun, super fun time, but it's also not necessarily accessible for a lot of people. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, too, um, you, you know, even if you can get to the market, if you don't have money, right. you unfortunately won't be able to, to get anything. Yes. And so um, we were fortunate enough to work towards a grant opportunity um, that would help us kind of expand this vision and create a mobile market um, and uh, per government regulations, which are kind of a hassle. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, uh, can't we imagine. could uh, pay for everything except for a truck, which is kind of essential to the uh, entire project. And so um, I spent a lot of sleepless nights very, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, we have this amazing vision and amazing partners and, you know, we want to get out there to the, the our city and bring um, just delicious food yeah. uh, that is needed. And, um, uh, you know, I, um, the Jamestown Market and Conduit was acknowledged by the Chautauqua Bright Spots, um, which is a group that um, focuses on the positive uh, community action groups in this area. Uh, and I had never heard of you guys before. I mean, I've lived here my whole life. I've, I've heard of Conduit, but I had no idea you had this beautiful truck. Um, <laughs> and it was, I, you know, I had hoped for so long, and I, I truly believe that it was divine intervention that yeah. brought you guys to us. And so I reached out to you guys, and I said, hey, you know, what could we do? Let's work yeah. together, man. And so... Um, uh, I didn't know I needed that truck in my life, but <laughs> now I have it, and I'm stuck with it. No, it's, we love we love it. So. <laughs> that's awesome. And yeah. so uh, for us uh, as a church, um, we had this revisioning last, uh, about a year ago, um, where we have uh, set out a vision for the next seven years. We call it Vision 2025, if you've read through that. One of the, one of the main things that we wanted to do was a 25% reduction of the geographical span of food deserts in Chautauqua County. And before that, you like glaze out of that, I know you've heard it many times from stage, you've read it, you've seen this, maybe you pray through this, it's posted on your refrigerator. But what a food desert is, and a 25% reduction of that is near and dear to our heart. But to be honest, we, again, hot dogs, snow cones, this ridiculous truck, we had this heart to reach people in with that great need. But I love, and we've been praying through this with all these different parts of our vision. God, send us these great organizations that are already doing this, that already have a heart, or send us leaders like Linnea that would have uh, a vision specifically how to meet these needs. But can you talk a little bit about, um, uh, for us here, like what is a food desert specifically, and why is that, a, why is that truly an issue? Because even right now, you maybe make plans, like you have maybe no groceries in the house. Uh, and you can get in your car and you can drive wherever you want. And you choose groceries maybe based on, well, this place has it cheaper, or this place has it better. But, like, that's not necessarily reality. There's an actual, literal need in our city in, in that food desert. There is. And so the technical definition of a food desert is a area where 33% or more of the residents live within a, um, a mile or more from a full-service grocery store. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of debate as of late, different terms. There's food swamps, 
which are... Um, that just sounds gross. It does, yeah. It's basically where, you know, um, the only food access you have are Walgreens or um, CVS. So the only options you really have are Cheetos and Frito, right. you know, all the, the and stuff. Cheetos. Those, yeah, those the, yeah. are amazing, but they not are so necessarily good, but Yeah, not really, really the best. And yeah. um, the term that I am tr starting to adopt personally uh, and try to get out there too is food apartheid. And um, what that is, you know, a desert food apartheid. A food apartheid. Yeah. So a desert, <laughs> a desert implies that nothing will grow there. Ah. That it's a barren wasteland. And the reality is, a lot of people in our city don't have access to food, not because it's not possible, mm -hmm. but because no one or no organization or no no major corporation has given them the opportunity. Yeah. And so the whole idea with a mobile market is, you know, we have these people who live in food deserts or food swamps, whatever you want to consider it, that, you know, we have, for example, a family, uh, they just moved to Jamestown, they have a young infant, um, they don't have a car. And they both work full time, but they only make $16,000 a year between the two of them. And, you know, they, that is still too much to qualify for assistance. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they walk miles and miles to a grocery store so that they could get, you know, formula for their child yeah. and food for themselves. And yeah. um, that's just not, uh, ne I don't, you know, necessary in this world yeah. today. So it shouldn't happen. No, no. It shouldn't happen. And so the idea with the mobile market is, you know, we're going to come to you. Yeah. Um, we have the ability to do that, and yeah. so, yeah, we're going to bring the food right to you. Yeah, love that. Um, can you, I know it's, you know, Katie has spent a lot of time with you, and, and I've spent a little bit of time hearing about your ideas and how this can come about. And I even love how, just in a short period of time, that meeting that need in our city has somewhat evolved. And I want you guys to notice that here is it's not, it's not just, hey, we have this great plan and this is what it is. And it sounds really good. It makes you feel really good to have this plan. But what I'm seeing in, in Lynn and what I'm seeing in her, her, um, her vision, even just as you, as you talk right now, is that it's really about them. It's not about our great plan. It's not about us coming up and just feeling good about helping or giving away food. It's about these people that are represented that are important. And this... Good grief, it's 2019. In the United States of America, the greatest country in the world, this should not be happening, especially when we're filled with such great um, opportunities ourselves. So can you talk a little bit more about um, what it would dream for a moment? What would it look like in 2025 if, if you and your company and your partnership with us and all the organizations that are pointing, what would that, what would be different in 2025 if you had your way? If God moved in churches and God moved in the city to help meet some of those needs, what would that look like? Well, to me, it would look like everyone uh, is, uh, you know, their bellies are full. Yeah. That's the number one thing for me. Um, but also that, you know, we build this amazing community, that we have a tighter knit community. And we have seen that evolve just in the last year itself. I mean, Lily and I can attest to that and the friendships that we've made and the people that we've mm -hmm. met and from all walks of life um, and finding something in common. Um, you know, we, this last week we had uh, strawberries are in season and I, I don't know about you, but I love them. Um, and like so they're like candy. They're so good. And, um, you know, so do people who are uh, poor and hungry love strawberries, you know, yeah. so it's, it's a, such a common, it's a, it's a low common denominator, but it's a place to start. Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, you know, park the van uh, and, um, you know, people will be walking by and we'll, we probably sound like crazy people, but Lily and I will just be like, hey, you, like, you want some strawberries? <laughs> like, I have, a t I have some strawberries. Like, they're really good. Like, come on over. Let's have some, you know, let's try some. That sounds and like conduit people right yeah. there. Hey, you. <laughs> um, Come here, I got snow cones. Yeah, and, dogs. and a lot of people Smoothies. at first are like, what? Like, who is screaming at me? And then I'm like, come on, come on. It's and just conduit. Yeah, just and you know, when we, 
you know, they'll say, well, I don't, I don't have any money. And I'll be like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. come on, yeah. I want to meet you. Yeah. And so um, we, we en you know, enjoy the relationships that we have and the people that we meet. And um, so I, I guess in five years, what I would see is, yeah, just that increased community. And just, you know, when, when I'm at walking down the street, I just see my friends. And they see me, and um, I trust them, and they trust me, and we are uh, together. Yeah, love that. Uh, I want to encourage you guys uh, when you get a chance, uh, not totally bombard her, but <laughs> she's got a lot of great ideas and a heart that is huge for the city like you guys. Um, she is a leader worth following. She's a leader worth following. Thank so you. thank you so much for, for all you do. Well, thank you. We would not be able to, you know, be out there and, and meeting the people we do and, and doing the work that we do without you guys. I, like I said, I truly believe that it's uh, meant to be, you know, it, it, yeah. everything happens and yeah. here we are. Here we are. It's awesome. Uh, I, I, th I think the, I, I go back to um, just last, one last thing and then uh, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> I go back to when we got that truck, or even, honestly, where we're at in this partnership with you guys and as we move forward as a church and supporting that. Uh, what is the vision of that truck? What is the vision of feeding people for us? It, it is meeting that need. But and some of you guys, I know how this works. Like, I've been around church long enough, and some of y'all are like, okay, what's this got to do with the Bible? What's this got to do with Jesus? And I don't want to steal Katie's thunder in a moment here because she's got some thunder in regards to that and tying that into the theological point and perspective of that. But here's the bottom line. That truck, what you guys are doing, um, it's a way of saying, hello, Jamestown. We're conduit. And that's what this whole, this whole thing is about. It's creating those intersections for the gospel to change everything in their lives. And some people aren't interested in you <laughs> or the gospel. They're just hungry. They just have great need. And we can meet that need. And it's an incredible intersection uh, for that. So again, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's been, it's been awesome. Uh, just want to end this time uh, before Katie comes up. Uh, we started the Jamestown Mobile Market. This, we kicked off this past Wednesday. Oh, the week before. Week so, before, yep. sorry. Yep. Two Wednesdays ago. And uh, wow, how are we? That's crazy. I know, it goes by so fast. I show, we were here uh, that morning when they took off this week. And I love just going down and saying hey to them. And they're giddy. These guys are giddy about like, let's go, let's go meet our city. Let's give, let's meet some needs. It's incredible. And I want to just take a minute to watch uh, just this short video as Katie comes up and uh, see what that was like this past week, okay? Hey guys, good morning. Thank you, Linnea, so much for allowing us to get a peek into your heart behind this incredible vision of the mobile market. It's happening every Wednesday for a 16-week season this summer, and we're so excited about it. This basket that's sitting right here is an example of all of the produce that was on the truck last week. So every week, the produce varies depending on what our local farmers have available. And in this basket, we have lettuce, we have kale, we have broccoli, we have sugar snap peas, asparagus, strawberry, and rhubarb. And these, this is mostly what was on the truck this week. And people get to choose five items, correct, that they will receive, they can receive for free. And then also use their SNAP and WIC benefits to pay for more. So it's really an incredible thing. Um, I want to give away this basket because there's a lot of really good veggies in here. So I'm just going to say the first person who runs up to get this, it's all yours to take home. Don't all run at once. <laughs> 
All right, thank you, Jody, for running up here. <laughs> so Conduit Ministries began just about six and a half years ago with a pretty unique vision, or so we like to think ourselves, to create a space for a, in transformative encounters with the living Jesus Christ, who would then channel that gospel power down to people like us as conduits for the transformation of everyone and everything around them. You see, conduit was conceived out of a deeply rooted mission, the redemption of all people and all things. And so it began an itty-bitty baby idea over six and a half years ago that quickly grew to a church plant, to this building that we're in this morning, to great droves of people that began, that began to came, come to this place, to backpack giveaways and summer fun, to that lovely food truck that we referenced this morning and that's parked out back and way too many snow cones and slip and slides, to water baptisms, to the addition of talented staff around our table, to dinner church in the back of a laundromat, and to living rooms across the county where people gather for encounter with Jesus Christ. And so the list goes on. And last year, just about five years into that vision, as Corey mentioned a few moments ago, we got to this really critical intersection where our leadership team began to ask a question. God has stewarded Conduit Ministries with incredible blessing and favor and growth. So now, five years into our vision, again, this was last year, how can we, as a body and as a leadership team, capitalize on the great growth that God has given to us and steward it toward maximum impact? And how can we continue to be about everything that we've been about in the past and add even further momentum, growth, and diversity to that same movement. And so we did something a little bit non-traditional to help us wade through that, que that question. We invited a consultant in, someone who served on the executive leadership teams of some really incredible growing high-impact churches across the United States and whose desire now is to help smaller faith communities in their kingdom impact as they grow. And so we invited him in, and he flew up here on a plane, uh, on a plane from Florida, and on a very, very, very hot week in August of last year, we gathered all of our leadership team around a table in a room down the hallway that was like half a bajillion degrees. This was pre-air conditioning. And for one entire week, we hovered night after night with the windows open over Andriaccio's cheeseburger pizza and Sherry Leinhart's delicious baked goods. And we hovered in prayer and in conversation asking how can we steward what God has given us for the benefit of every man, woman, and child in our homes, in this church, in the churches that we believe God is yet to create, and in our countywide. And you guys, as we hovered over that, the consultant was blown away by our process. Now, you got to understand, he's been invited into like a million of these gigs with different churches. And traditionally, when he's gathered with these different churches, he's heard a lot of ideas come forward that sound a lot like Christianese. Do any of y'all in this room know what I mean when I say Christianese? Like the terms and jargons that people inside the church world use that makes absolutely zero sense to anybody outside the church world. So he was used to a lot of Christianese. But as we hovered and as we began to, be, to birth goals and objectives and the vision that we believe that God was giving to us, it was unlike anything our consultant had heard before because what came out of us wasn't Christianese. What came out of us was all about our homes and our churches being fully redeemed and made whole by the living gospel of Jesus Christ that's out to redeem absolutely everything. See, we began with this central assumption. Jesus is everything and the gospel changes it all. 
And so if Jesus is everything and the gospel is out to change it all, then that tidal wave of change and redemption and transformation of being made whole, of being made right, of being brought into shalom, it has to, it is necessitated to overflow to our homes, to our churches, and to our cities. So as we talked and we ate and we praised and we cried and we sought the Lord that week, we began to paint a picture stroke by stroke of what wholeness and redemption would tangibly look like in our homes, our churches, our cities. And these are some of the things that came out of our mouths. Healthy and vibrant marriages. Food accessibility for everyone. Socioeconomic revival. The unity of the whole capital C church. Bridges of unity that would be built into and from the Hispanic community that up until this point has been pretty isolated in our community. Strong, gospel-centered, and science-informed approaches to heal the mentally ill and addicted in our community. A post-release program to equip and empower previously incarcerated persons. A leadership development pipeline that would become uniquely missional. The planning of churches everywhere for all people so that local expressions of the body of Christ can grow indigenous roots and become accessible to all people in all times and all places. And the raising of a people unprecedented in their generosity to release all of the resources, time, wisdom, and money to plant something that they may never actually see the fruition of in their own time. It was something so beautiful that by the end of the week, most of us were filled with tears and trembling and sitting on the edges of our seats. So we took that master picture, that master vision that God has given us, and we began to say, okay, what would be the first strokes that we need to paint of this. And as we began to identify the first strokes of that larger picture, that larger canvas of wholeness and redemption, we titled those first few strokes Vision 2025, the first seven-year piece of our vision for every man, woman, and child. We spent a significant amount of time covering this Vision 2025 and teaching about it during the last several months. But if you're new to Conduit today or you're not familiar with this, then I want to encourage you before you leave here today to take a copy of this brochure that details in full our Vision 2025 as a body. It's located on that bookshelf in the back. It looks like this. It's got a black and yellow front. Or alternatively, we spent a six-week teaching series teaching about the why, about why Jesus has called us to this through his word at the beginning of this year. And all of those messages are available on the Conduit app or on the Conduit website. And I want to encourage you to go back and check those out. But one of those smaller strokes, one of the first strokes of that larger vision of wholeness and redemption was something that Corey alluded to earlier today and why we invited Linnea to join us this morning. Corey already said it, but it's to see a 25% reduction in the geographical span of food deserts in Chautauqua County. Now, how many of y'all get hangry? That is not true. Come on now, this is not a rhetorical question. Let me see those hands if you have had an experience with being hangry. A little combo of hungry and angry at the same time. All right, I get hangry all the time, so y'all are my kind of people. Listen, earlier this week, I uh, drove myself into Farm Fresh. Well, actually, to be fair, I need to go a bit further back in this story. So I woke up this, uh, it was a Tuesday morning, and it was the day I needed to write this message, and it's really hard for me to narrow my focus sometimes, and I knew I had a long day ahead of me, and I woke up, um, and I only had about 10 minutes to be in church, and I live about 15 minutes from church, so I quickly threw some yoga pants on, put a lot of dry shampoo in my hair, and ran out the door. Um, so I was, I forgot breakfast, I didn't have food with me for the day, I was hungry, which quickly turned to hangry, and I was driving here late, um, and quickly found myself pulling into Farm Fresh. 
Now, Farm Fresh has got the corner on the best donuts in town, especially their peanut butter filled. Those are my jam. If you disagree with me, don't take it up with me because it won't go over well. Um, anyway, so I went and got myself a dozen donuts because that makes sense. Um, and as I was waiting in line to check out, it was actually a really long line, and my hangry was getting worse because at that point I could smell all the smells of the bakery. So real casually, as I was waiting in line, I started piling on top of my dozen donuts some raspberry licorice, some chocolate-covered chocolate covered pretzels, and a Diet Pepsi for good measure. Anyways, I, uh, by the time I got here to Conduit, I walked into our staff table where everyone else was sitting, and I dropped my tower of donuts, licorice, chocolate-covered pretzels, and Diet Pepsi and said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get diabetes this week. Anyway, so I, any of you who can identify with hangry, just know you're my kind of people. Um, I wanted to make sure that we would avoid hangry in this place this morning. We might go a little over time, our normal time, because we got to have that delectable interview with Linnea. And so in order to avoid hangry, I called in a favor with, some few, with a few friends this week. So come on in, friends, with this delicious little treat that they have for us to avoid the hangry experience here. We have some lovely little strawberry cups with whipped cream that are about to be packed out to all of you. These strawberries came from a local farm in Warren called Wenzel Farm that were provided graciously by Anna Short. Yes, so delicious. Some of the best strawberries I've ever tasted in my entire life. The smells as we were chopping them were intoxicating. You all can tell I like food, right? <laughs> um, please enjoy these. And as those get passed out, would you mind opening up your Bibles or the app on your smartphones to get to Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. I'll give you a few moments to get there and to get your strawberry shortcake. Again, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. This will also be up on the screen, so if your hands are busy, don't you worry about it. We got extra. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and read this text together. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, but Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
Jesus's teachings are interesting. That is my best categorization for them, interesting. But I mean it genuinely, wholeheartedly. Because here's the thing about Jesus's teachings is that they're almost always subversive and yet they're pure. They're what I like to call upside down truths. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus would take the primary teachings of the religious leaders of his day and he would flip them upside down to point his followers towards the real truth, the raw truth, truth that was almost always opposite to what the religious leaders of his day were teaching. For example, he healed someone on their Sabbath. He flipped the money-changing tables at the table. He spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, defying both gender and cultural norms of his time. He rode into the city of Jerusalem in what scriptures record as the triumphant entry, the entry of the one and only Messiah to ever live into the holy city on a donkey of all animals. You see, he was subversive, but he was pure. He didn't create subversive truths in order to create rebellion or to sow discontent or grumbling within the people. His motives were always pure. You see, he taught subversive truths because religion had done what religion always does. It had taken something holy and beautiful given to man by God And humankind had gone and done what humankind always does, created an imperfect religious system to uphold that beautiful truth given to them. And along the way of implementing their human design system, they began to trample on people, people in whom God's very image were created. So Jesus was subversive in the holiest kind of way. He came to kick down the walls, so to speak, that religion had created so that the goodness of the news of his coming could be offered for the redemption of all people in all times and in all places. It's remarkable and it's really interesting. And this text that we read this morning is no exception. You see, for many centuries before Jesus' coming, the Jews had withdrawn from the world for fear of defilement. They feared external contact with food and people and places that were considered to be unclean. But then Jesus showed up on the scene and he reversed the direction of purity. Purity was no longer going to be withdrawing for fear of defilement. He taught his followers instead to spread holiness and wholeness through the Holy Spirit. And instead of external contact with food and people and places considered to be unclean, he taught his followers not to guard against uncleanness in their own hearts if it were to be at the expense of others, if it would be harmful to them. Jesus taught his followers to engage the world, to engage with their homes, their churches, and their cities in a radical, subversive, and holy kind of way. Not for the approval of mankind, and this is how we sometimes get this interpretation off, but for the benefit of every man, woman, and child, and for an audience of one, the one who identifies himself in the other. And the one who is Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 says, states will come in all of his glory with all the angels, sit on the glorious throne and separate the sheep from the goats. Verses 32 and 33 say, before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Do you know what's interesting about sheep and goats? It's that they tend to be in the same pasture at the same time. The placement of Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 45 in the gospel of Matthew is actually a really strategic placement because on the front end of it in Matthew chapter 24, which you can look at in your own time, is the prediction of the end times by Jesus. And on the other side of it in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is literally beginning the path to crucifixion. In fact, he leads Matthew chapter 26 with verse one saying, as you know, the Passover is two days away and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified, dot, 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 crucifixion. And so the placement is really important. 
this is one of Jesus's very last teachings to the disciples. And so it's a paramount text for us to understand too, because you see, Jesus's disciples had been raised from within the Jewish system. So when Jesus says, I will separate the sheep from the goats, he's referencing a level playing field. He's referencing a people, the Jewish people, who all claim to know God, who all came from the same pasture, so to speak. And here's something else interesting that I learned this week. And this isn't true in North America. Here our goats and our sheep are pretty easily identifiable as different, correct? But at the time that this was written, goats and sheep in the Middle East were almost identical in appearance. So they looked the exact same. It would have been hard for anyone to identify them. But their behavior was different. So only a good shepherd could tell the difference between the sheep and the goats. And this was the difference. This is what would tune the shepherd in to know whether he had a sheep or a goat with him. The sheep were easily led by the sound of the shepherd's voice. But the goats could only be led by other goats. They were independent at best and destructive at worst. You see, they were in the same pasture together, but Jesus said that only one would inherit the kingdom, the sheep. And this is how he described the sheep that would know the voice of the good shepherd as attentive to the needs of the other. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, but Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you, sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. In this passage, Jesus identifies himself as the other. He reminds his disciples in that kind of subversive, holy kind of way. And one of the very first truths of all of humanity, right from the beginning of the book of the Bible, from the book of Genesis 2, that every man, woman, and child were created in his image. Thus he is present in us all. The goats, led by the religious leaders of their day, whose laws and religious boxes created walls to protect against defilement from the other, who could not touch or speak to or identify with the thirsty, the hungry, the stranger, the naked, the sick, or the imprisoned. He said he would not identify with them in his new kingdom. But the sheep, the ones who were led by the voice of the good shepherd for the aid and redemption of every man, woman, and child, for the thirsty, the hungry, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned, who didn't fear or withdraw from the world, but instead engaged it, they would inherit the kingdom. James, one of the later books of the New Testament, written by the very brother of Jesus, who called his own, bro his own brother Messiah, by the way. So we could like just park this entire message right there. If someone's brother calls them Messiah, I mean, maybe it's just me, but my brother would never call me the savior of the world. I think it points towards the validity of that claim. But anyways, different day, different teaching. James records this teaching of the early church in chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Faith without works is dead. Are any of y'all familiar with the Dead Sea in Israel? Geographically, maybe? I recently heard an interesting fact from a podcast out of a church called The Meeting House in Canada. One of their teachers, Bruxy, taught about the Dead Sea in a way that I had never heard about before and found to be fascinating. This is what he said about the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is like a giant lake that has turned dead, like really dead. It's so salty that there's no life whatsoever. There's no botanical life. There's no fish. There's nothing. It's too salty. Now, the reason why it is is so fascinating. You see, there's, there's 
fresh water flowing into the Dead Sea. The Jordan River flows into it. But there's no escape for all that water that comes into the Dead Sea. It can only leave by evaporation. So as it leaves by evaporation, the salt remains behind and the Dead Sea just continues to get saltier and saltier, which is a fascinating lesson for us. You see, fresh water can flow into you, but if you don't allow it to flow out, it will kill you. What's meant for your good will actually be for your harm if you don't share it. There's a vision that the prophet Ezekiel records in the Old Testament of the end times. And in this vision, he sees water overflow from the great temple that will overflow from the temple to the streets, to the lanes, to the whole city, all the way to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River will overflow into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea that once was landlocked with nothing around it will begin to overflow onto all of the banks. And so the Dead Sea will come back to life because all of a sudden it has overflow. And then all of the dry, parched land with no vegetation around it will begin to come back to life too and everything will come alive this is God's vision for the future of God's people my friends if you have the life force of a relationship with Jesus Christ flowing into you but you don't allow it to flow out of you it will kill you but if you do allow it to it will bring you and everything around you to life here at Conduit, we ain't about that Christianese life. That's why our vision and our strategic plan didn't resemble anything like our consultant had heard before, because we ain't about staying inside these four walls here. There have been too many churches and religious systems that have gone before us and who have died because they didn't overflow for the redemption of their homes and their cities. That's not gonna be us. We're going to overflow. We're going to take all the living water that God is pouring into us, and we're going to overflow into every one of our homes, into not just this church, but into every church for the unification and good positioning of the capital C church everywhere, and then into our cities for the redemption of every man, woman, and child. I attended an award ceremony this past Tuesday evening at Moonbrook for the YWCA's Women of Achievement Awards. I nominated Linnea, who's here today. Sorry to put you in the hot seat again. Um, I nominated her for the award of Young Leader of the Future, and she won. And so I attended. Yeah, it's really fantastic. You can go ahead and clap for her. It's really awesome. Yeah, she totally deserves it. I, I nominated her for her humility, which she wore on her sleeve this morning during her interview. You can just tell by the way Linnea talks that she is incredibly humble. I nominated her because I think humility is the trademark of leadership that's gonna leave our entire community into the future. It's a whole different brand of leadership than the kind we've had before. And so when Linnea got up to give her acceptance speech on Tuesday evening, she said something that demonstrated that humility so well. And Linnea, I'm totally going to mess up on the eloquence of your words, so please forgive me. But she said something to the effect of, I'm just ordinary. But there's people who deserve this who aren't here in this room this evening. And then one by one by one, she began to tell the stories of individuals that she's encountered at the mobile market, like X name person who has four children or who has a child and can't make it to formula. I'm messing your words up, sorry. But it was incredibly brilliant the way that she used her platform, a platform that she had rightfully won for the benefit of others. That kind of self-sacrificial leadership is contagious. As she was talking, I just kept thinking on loop in my head, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, count me in, count me in right over here because I will follow humble leadership for days and days and days. And that's the kind of leadership that Jesus came to show us, self-sacrificial leadership that identifies with the other at the expense of our own platforms. Goodness gracious, yeah, count me in to that. 
Jesus demonstrated selfless leadership and he called his followers towards the same. John chapter six, verses five through six, and what many of us know as the feeding of the 5,000 records this teaching moment of Jesus with his disciples. And I'm not gonna read through the whole text right now. I would love for you to go and check that out later, John chapter six. But it says, Jesus lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, turned to Philip and he said, where are we to buy bread for all th- so that all these people may eat? And then scripture says, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. You see, this is the part of the gospel of John where the disciples object to Jesus about how little resources they have. And then there's a child who says, but I have five loaves and I have two fish. And he brings them to the feet of Jesus. And from those five loaves and two fish that Jesus blesses, they feed 5,000 people and there's still overflow. And then John ends this saying, Jesus did this to teach his disciples. He taught his disciples two things that day. First, that the basis of incarnation is meeting the needs of the people. And the second is that when the physical needs of the people are met, their walls fall down and their ears perk up. Did that happen with you today? Did you have an experience similar to that? It's kind of a silly example, but did the strawberries with whipped cream satiate your hangry so that you could lean into this teaching? I mean, that's usually the experience with me, is that eating something when I'm hangry at least satiates me enough that I can pay attention and focus in on the next thing that's about to happen. Here at Conduit, we believe that when Jesus says, feed the hungry, it isn't a spiritual allegory. It's real, and it's instructive. So here at Conduit, as part of this Vision 2025 that you keep hearing about, we've set out to feed the hungry in our community by reducing by at least 25% the geographical span of food deserts in our county over the next six years. It's a massive undertaking, one that we absolutely cannot take on alone, so we won't. We'll do it in collaboration with every other government, not-for-profit, and business entity that is oriented in the same direction because this isn't about us. It's about the other and most effectively serving them so that they can hear the good news that is truly good news for every man, woman, and child. We've got some good plans up our sleeves. You heard today about the mobile market that Linnea is so excellently leading from our food truck every Wednesday this summer during a 16-week season. That is one of the ways that we're going to lean into this Vision 2025 objective, but we've got some other plans as well. We're also working towards the creation of a food hub for the city of Jamestown alongside Jamestown Renaissance Corporation and their incredibly visionary, humble leadership. And we're also looking to replicate the mobile market that's happening here in Jamestown in the city of Dunkirk. So we've got some plans, but we hold them loosely because we need you. We need your voice and we need your collaboration, and we need the unique way that God has wired you. Now, here's what usually happens whenever a preacher or a not-for-profit executive gets to the part of their speak that says, we need you. Half of this room, their ears will perk up. They're the kind of people that get excited by new opportunities, and the other half of this room will tune out altogether. So can I exhort you this morning? Please don't tune out. We are all compelled and qualified to seek justice on behalf of the other, who isn't just the other, but is the only other, the very pinched face of Jesus Christ in suffering. And we have an opportunity to give him food and drink. We need you. And I don't want you to leave today with just some motivation in your heart that's not good enough. That's what religion does. That's what great religious systems do. That's not what relationship with Jesus does. Relationship with Jesus means we follow his voice and his teaching right into action. Because as James said, faith without works is dead. So I want to leave you today with something actionable. Here are four ways that you can become directly involved in this initiative to see a 25% reduction in the geographical span of food deserts in our community. 
The first is volunteer. Immediately following service today, Linnea and Lily and Jessica McKeever are going to be in the entryway with some sign-ups for you to sign up for the mobile market or for the Jamestown public market this summer. The second is give. I have this empty little farmer's basket here, which I thought was way bigger when I ordered off of Amazon. Um, and I want to see this filled today. So I'm going to ask you after service to give your tithe and your normal offering in that bucket in the bath back. This is not a replacement of your tithe and offering. This is a donation in addition to. But I'm going to ask you to make a donation in addition to what you normally do to fill this basket so that this coming week we can cut a check to Jamestown Renaissance Corporation to, for produce. All this money is going to go to buy produce for our neighbors this summer. None of it will go towards administration. None of it will go towards overkeep. Every cent of what comes into this basket will be cut in a check for the produce like the ones you saw today. Kale, lettuce, strawberries, asparagus, rhubarb, sugar snap peas. For Jesus, who is hungry. And the third, join a team. <clears throat> I'm starting a team here at Conduit that's going to be our food initiative team that's going to be working exclusively on all of the efforts we have underway to reduce by 25% the geographical span of food deserts in our county over the next six years. This team is going to be responsible for the brainstorming, researching, fundraising, marketing, communication, bridge building, and planning for all of our food initiative teams moving into the future, including but not limited to the food hub that I just mentioned a few minutes ago ago, the mobile market we're currently involved in and the replication of the mobile market in the city of Dunkirk. This will be the team of people who lead the charge here at Conduit on the food piece of Vision 2025. If you want to join that team, you're going to come see me after service. I'm going to be right up here and I'm going to get your name and contact information. The fourth way is pray. And this ain't no platitude or cliche. I'm looking for some people who are going to regularly get down on their knees and seek the face of God and throw their weight behind the fruition of this vision. This may be one of the most important pieces of all of these roles. Please, please pray. I'm begging you. With fervency and fasting for God's guidance and blessing as we seek wholeness and redemption in our homes, our churches in our communities. We're going to wrap up here. I know that we're at the end of our time. And we're actually going to totally wrap up service today. We're not going to have a song at the end like we normally do. We're just going to leave you with these action steps. But before we wrap up, I want to bring back that imagery of the Dead Sea in your mind. Please go ahead and close your eyes with me for a moment. And I want you to imagine a big body of water, like a lake. Only this lake is about twice the size of Chautauqua Lake. And it has a river of fresh water that pours into it. It is a big, mighty river called the Jordan River, an incredible life source to feed the lake. But unlike most lakes or bodies of water, this lake doesn't have any smaller streams or an ocean to pour into. There are no outlets for the moving fresh water that the Jordan River pours into it. It's totally landlocked on all sides. And because it's landlocked, the only way that the water moves out is by evaporation. But the salt doesn't evaporate. The salt just builds up in the water, making it so salty that the composition of the remaining water in the lake is changed altogether. You can even float on it. Now imagine yourself laying there floating on your back in the midst of this big dead sea filled with salt and fresh water that has no overflow. You look to your right and you notice there's no life in this sea. There are no fish. There's no botanical life. There's nothing. You look to your left to the banks of the sea and you see that all along the perimeter there is no life either. There are no trees that grow no food to give to the people or animals that live close by. There's just more dead. And then as you're laying there, you hear this voice. Inhale the refreshing living power of my spirit to flow into you. And don't allow it to become locked within you. Now exhale and release it. Allow it to overflow to your homes, your churches, and your cities. Isaiah 58 verses 6 through 9 say, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? 
to loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, the Lord says, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and compassion on us this morning. I pray, Jesus, move us into action. Have a great week, Conduit. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday.